0: On today's show, we've got so much news you need about the Captain Be Inn update, Tankard & Ton chef change, a few restaurant closings, and more. It's all coming up on the Seattle Dining Show.
1: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Petra Mediterranean Bistro. Take a journey to Greece, Lebanon, Jordan, and the North Shore of Africa by way of Belltown as you dine in a welcoming atmosphere and experience the hospitality the Chef Call provides. Need a quick bite? Drop into the attached cafe or shop for authentic flavors in the adjoining store. Visit PetraBistro.com for more information.
2: Hi, this is Kathy Casey. Welcome to the Seattle Dining Show.
1: Coming to you live from the Test Kitchen Studio high atop Queen Anne Hill, it is time for the Seattle Dining Show. Join us as we explore news about Northwest restaurants, take a look at upcoming events, discover new kitchen tips you can use at home, dive into great recipes, and much more. And now, here's your host, the senior editor, Connie Adams, and whoever else just happened to drop by today.
0: Welcome to the May Seattle Dining Show, number 1905. I'm Connie Adams, Senior Editor, and I'm here with Tom Marin, publisher and owner of Seattle Dining. Hello, hello, hello. The triple hello. It's going to be a good month. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Um, Seattle Restaurant Week just ended in April, and I thought we could have a little discussion about that. And since... Since I've been thinking about it a lot, I thought I'd just throw some things out there, and you can comment as you will. Okay. All right. So first of all, I'd say be aware of what you're paying for. $35 is a good deal for three courses, and we we normally don't do Seattle Restaurant Week because we're out a lot, and oftentimes we don't want what they have on the thing. We want the regular menu.
2: And we're trying to be good citizens and make sure those seats are available for people for who want to get into it. Gosh, we're good. We're really nice people, <laughs> in any case, um I would
0: say it, it is a good deal. The amounts we got they were full portions. there was no smaller size thing going on um, and Although was, that does happen, it probably could, yeah, where we went, it did not but um, and of course thirty five dollars twice, seventy dollar meal. Our bill was a hundred and seventy five so um that of course, is in no way connected to the fact that we like to enjoy. Alcoholic beverages.
2: No, that would have nothing to do with it. No,
0: nothing at all. Um, but keep in mind that sometimes, you know, people are looking at a Seattle restaurant. We can think, and that's my chance to go someplace that I maybe couldn't afford normally. But just be aware that just because the three course meal is affordable, if you want a beverage or maybe you want another side or something, those are going to be at the usual high prices in a in a pricey place. Mm -hmm. So that's really going to catch up. I mean, I think the drinks we had were 15 to $17 or something, you know, that adds up.
2: Yeah. And then there's sales tax on top of that.
0: And, and 20% automatic. Yep. Now I will say,
2: and that gets taxed too, you know?
0: Yeah, that's right. You don't have an option to taxed. Yeah. The, the tax thing, you know, this is a, a difficult situation with the minimum wage and everybody doing something different. This particular place um, did not even give you a line to add extra tip, which sometimes people do and you get confused and you don't realize you've already paid 20% and you add something on. They didn't even give you that option, so it was clear it was just the 20%. But in our particular case, and you can chime in on this, I did not think our service was worth 20%.
2: No, I think that that server might have been on his first day, yeah. And we're supposed to tip twenty percent, yeah.
0: And we really only had
2: one request of him, and he didn't do it. He forgot. Yeah. So he forgot uh, a lot. He did forgot forget he a lot. Came but, back to the table numerous times. Yeah. Or am I confusing him with that with another restaurant? That was where another that other one. server came to the restaurant.
0: Where was that the other day? Because that was or funny came to the table. Oh, I know where it was. At lunch. Times. Yeah, it was at yeah. lunch on Sunday. Um. Yeah, that person came and we saw him going to every table who was saying, No, I just want to confirm this. And he had
2: like a little this. computer he was taking the order with. And he took a lot of notes.
0: <laughs> I mean he did, but he still was confused. But in any case, um I, I just this tipping thing drives me crazy a little bit because tipping should be about thanking someone for good service. So when it's an automatic thing, it takes your free will away. As you said, it adds tax on. To the tip mm-hmm. I don't know I'm not liking this Automatic thing
2: Well you know um, I'm just of the mind now If I know that someone's Doing the auto tip I'm just not going there again Well but that does take out Some, some crap really shoot. good places Well then have you know. dinner at home And make something even better
0: <laughs> And tip That's me easy.
2: Yeah In any case the, the,
0: the little tip here Is watch your bill Make sure that you do know Whether you've got An automatic tip on there Or not um, cause some places don't, don't take that line away and you
2: can get crazy. It's almost like you had a third person out to dinner with you.
0: Yeah. Honestly, it was, you know, the other thing, and this is, I, I'm going to get a lot of grief about this from people who disagree with me, but, um, the woman who was seating people mm-hmm. was very pleasant, very pleasant, very nice, big smile, um, spoke almost no English. Yeah. And that 's kind of other than the person who handed her the menus that 's your first connection to the restaurant mm-hmm. and um, and like I said, she was very friendly, very nice. I have no problem with her at all she didn 't do a bad job or anything, but when she left uh, set the table, she said, "Have enjoy <laughs> and of course, you have a hearing problem, and she was very soft spoken, and you were like, "Well, I said, did you hear that and he, and you said i 've heard nothing." she said." And uh, and I said, well, she said, have enjoy. And I know exactly what she meant. She meant, I hope you have an enjoyable evening. But she didn't have more than two words. So, you know, I don't know what the answer to that is either. It's hard to find um, employees right now. Hard to get good help right now, I guess. It is very hard to find good help. And as I said, she was very pleasant and nice. She probably has all the potential in the world
2: to be a great employee, but she's got to work on that English. Mm Um. Well, maybe that 20% service charge can go for some education for her. Yeah, that would be. You know, English as a second language classes for her. I like it. She's probably in her,
0: she was a go-getter, so she's probably in them already. Um, The other thing I was kind of thinking about was that you should use Restaurant Week for what it is, a chance to try something new to you. Um, But sometimes, as I mentioned earlier, you might get there and maybe if you hadn't looked it up before you went because it's always online. Maybe you don't want
2: one of those three-course meals. You get there and you're like,
0: uh, oh, you know what? I don't – that's not appealing to me tonight.
2: Well, then you know what happens in a, a three-course meal with restaurant week? What happens is you start with a salad, you get a main course, and you get a dessert. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times I go out to eat and all I ever order is an entree. Yeah, or we split. We split a salad and And an it's entree. about the same price as restaurant week. Yeah. So I – I don't, you know, I mean, it's great. Well, it does give you a chance to try all the different things. Mm -hmm. And and you could get one kind of entree and I can get one kind of entree and we can share. And Mm -hmm. that way we've had a four-course meal. Yeah. So. And that's kind of where I was going with this. I
0: mean, if you get there and you just want to do something different, do something different. You're not hurting anyone because the restaurants got you there through restaurant week because they pay to be involved. So they're still getting value because you wouldn't have been in probably if if you know restaurant week hadn't lured you in. So whatever you do is fine with them and you might be happier doing your own thing. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. The other thing too is sometimes even if I look at the menu ahead of time the night I go there I'm like, well I don't want any of these things. So, I can be a twit. Well, so, you could
2: bring your own little sack dinner. <laughs>
0: No restaurant minds that. Have we told you that, listeners? <laughs> Nobody minds if you bring your own food and beverage into a restaurant. <laughs> well, the last thing that I was going to say about, about it is that as much as we love going out, that particular evening was a reminder that we also love cooking and eating our – you know, doing it our way at home. Mm-hmm. And I – if I don't go out several times a week, I feel really abused because we've done it for so long. Um I love going out. I love the atmosphere, I love the sociability of it. I love trying new things. Um but because we do try to eat clean, you're not getting that. Right. So it's really great to be home and and also do that. And and we both like to cook, so it's fun.
2: Yeah, but there comes a point when I don't want to cook anymore. Yep. And so then I'm, you know, especially you know, I got I got I got work to do too, so mm-hmm. I can't be working and cooking and working and cooking mm. and working and cooking and washing dishes. Well, and So I got to take a break at some point.
0: And that's the other thing for us is because both of us, our schedules tend to change at a moment's notice. So I really don't stock food at home. I mean, I have some staples but and I have breakfast things, but that's pretty much it. So we need to shop the day we're going to eat or the day before if we're I don't even like to do it the day before because that afternoon somebody calls and says, hey, you know, do you want to come do this thing? And it's like, yeah, and there goes my food. So I don't really do it till the day, and that gets back to your point. If you've got a busy day and then you're going to cook and you haven't even been to the grocery store or made your menu up or, you know, it's not going to happen.
2: Hey, yeah, you know, uh, one of the things I've been doing lately, and I'm I'm not doing it 100 percent, but I'm making a – I got a meal planner.
3: Mm.
2: And so I plan out my meals on Sunday from Monday through the next Sunday, knowing when I'm going to be eating out and maybe just leaving a blank open so that I could either go out or stay home, mm-hmm. whatever. And uh, it's, it's kind of helped a lot in terms of making sure I do have some food in the house, but mm-hmm. it's not like a lot of stuff that's going to go bad soon or anything. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, if I don't plan anything, then I'm constantly going to the grocery store, yeah, so or out. You know it's funny. just this morning, I was looking at Bing News,
0: and there was an article about why we often make bad food decisions. And they said it's actually not about willpower. It's that in an average day, the adult makes thirty I think it was thirty five thousand decisions. Mm-hmm. So, if you can take some of that decision making away, even like they, they brought up like somebody like Steve Jobs. If you know you're going to wear jeans and a black turtleneck every day, your, your morning is clear of decisions. You, know, you don't have to think about that. Mm-hmm. So they were saying kind of what you just said. Um, it's good to have a template. Maybe you have Taco Tuesdays and Chicken Night and something like that, or you have uh, you know, something that you've got sort of planned out, and it's a good idea to make your weekday plan on the weekend. When you've got more time and you're thinking about it, and then during the week when you're making all those other decisions, you don't have to make those de- decisions, too.
2: Yeah, in
3: my case, it's, um,
2: it's a black turtleneck and camping pants <laughs> with the zip-off legs.
0: It's the Seattle Dining Soundwriter uniform. <laughs> <laughs> and the only thing you have to decide is what day will you wear the head- headphones to do the podcast.
2: Yeah, well, they'll be black just like the shirt. <laughs> all right. So we've been uh, we've been eating out and around quite a bit. Um tell us where you've been eating. All right. Um
0: one of the things I places I went to was Ada's on Finney Ridge and it's been there all uh what did they tell me? I can't remember now. It's been about there, a year. About a year. Um I'm a little worried about them. I went for happy hour so it was early. But I I have been there. Oh, have you It, it there was no one there. Um by the time we left, there were two or four people in the dining room. And i got to say, it's, it's really lovely.
2: It's a very nice-looking place. Um, for, for listeners who have lived here for a while, you will remember this is the old Santa Fe Cafe up on Finney near the zoo. Was it or was it the Stumbling Goat? Was it Santa Fe? I believe that was the Santa Fe Cafe. Okay. Okay.
0: Yeah, it's laid out that way.
2: Yeah, it's not the stumbling goat. Yeah, yeah. Or, or some of us know it as the stumbling, 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 <laughs> stumbling goat.
0: Yeah, this—it's uh, a lovely place. I was not overwhelmed with the options on happy hour, and and they had two cocktails. So I chose one, and then they didn't have the spirit that was in it. I mean, it's like if you're going to have happy hour and you've got a list, and then you don't even have the alcohol that's supposed to be in it. <laughs> Now they were great. They said we could we can make something else up and they did. Make me a really great Cosmo and they had fresh blackberries so they muddled them and made a blackberry Cosmo for me. Mm, that kind of good. So yeah. Um so, you know, and they
2: had time to do it.
0: Yeah, they had lots of time to do. It. <laughs> so it's not and that that particular bartender, it was his first day. So I thought it was great that he took, you know, control and said I got fresh blackberries. Do you want to do? And I said, make me a Blackberry Cosmo. And then they were laughing and say, okay, we're going to call, call this the Connie Cosmo. And so they were very friendly. Um, I guess it's the chef owner came out one time. But I think he's a fairly shy person because he sort of lurked around us, behind us. Like he wanted to say, how are things or something. But he he's an older man, right? Oh, 40s, 50s. Yeah. Something yeah, like that he was in hair. there when I went. Um, so, you know. I hope they make it. I don't know uh, what the dinner menu was really like because we just had a couple. We had one thing off the appetizer list and one thing off the happy hour list to to eat, and that was kind of it. But um, I hope... I hope they do well. It's it's lovely, I, I, as I said. what Did, did you go for a happy hour or did you have a meal? No,
2: I had a meal. And it was uh, it was about three months after the oven, so it was just maybe a short hour of a year ago. Oh, okay. um, and I don't remember what I ate. Um, I do remember they were really trying to be like the local neighborhood place. Mm. and uh, And it was kind of old school stuff, as I recall, on the menu. I didn't really get just that impression. It's kind of like dinner house type stuff.
0: The, the, the only thing – I did briefly look at a menu, and the only thing that sort of immediately caught my eye was that one of the most expensive things on the menu was $45. Mm-hmm. And that's not kind of your neighborhood average place. You know? no, sure. It's,
2: it's your neighborhood upscale yeah, place.
0: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> – but I don't know. We'll see. So there, and then we were up on Orcas Island. Checking out Rosario, and while we were there, we also had dinner at the Inn at Ship Bay, and I would say uh, both of those places really impressed me. Yep. Um, Rosario, uh, the chef there, Raymond Southern, says his theory is he doesn't like the words fine dining because he thinks fine di- dining should be comfortable, not intimidating, and so his stuff is what he he's traveled all over the world. And he has put together things. He's learned how to do sauces from Italian women in, you know, Corsica or something. He's he's just taken all of his knowledge from all of these years, and it he's he. The chicken I had was a sous vide chicken. He's got his own bolognese, and at that particular moment in time, he had both goat and lamb. Oh yeah. So he used them both in there. Um, you, and they
2: were they were good. They weren't gamey at all. No, I didn't, I didn't even notice. No, and he gets it just tastes like. Regular meat.
0: He gets the rabbits, the goats, the lambs, all on the island. Yeah. So they're eating that grass. Yeah, they're eating that terroir. Yeah. So um, everything we had there, and, and we tried a number of things. Um, and the breakfast, it's all organic eggs. He's very big on using what's local. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. He, he's very. He's a great chef, and the, and what he's doing there, his concept of local and everything is great.
2: They're getting their pork locally. Yeah.
0: Just really, it was very nice. Then we had dinner at Inlet Ship Bay, and I had halibut that night. It was an incredible dish, and it was actually a huge piece of halibut. And I think it was like thirty three dollars. It, yeah, it was priced right. Yeah,
2: <clears throat> I don't know if he was if he had such great prices because he's trying to compete against Rosario, but it seemed to me like he should have been charging a little bit more for that food there.
0: Yeah. It's also uh, a. I
2: didn't say that.
0: (laughs) It's also an (laughs) inn, you know. So they're making money on the rooms, hopefully, and 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 maybe he's getting a great deal from someone local on on the product. Well, he grows his
2: own pigs. We know that. Yeah, I want to see his pig ranch. Yeah. So he. This is Gettys,
0: and he was also very pleasant and nice, and the the waiter we had was great. Um, So both of those places I would really highly recommend. Me too.
2: Yeah. Me too. So where have you been eating? Uh, so uh, I went down to uh, Fisher Plaza for a little shindig, and uh, Pork Chop and Company was down there, and they had a shaved ribeye steak sandwich, and I had a bite, and it was, oh my goodness, it was so good. So I uh, I said, uh, am I going to get this when I go to your shop over in Ballard? And they said, no. <laughs> I was like, what? Thank you. Why are you serving this delicious sandwich and then you don't even sell it on a day-to-day basis? So I thought, all right, I got to see what's going on over there. It's been about three years since I've been to Pork Chop and Company. Went in, sat at the counter. You know, you stand up, you place your order, and then you can sit anywhere you want. And and, uh, I had a um, sort of a Vietnamese type pork sandwich. Like a banh mi? Yeah, that's what I had. And uh, it was quite good, too. So uh, i I, I got to say I'm, I'm impressed with what's coming out of the kitchen one way or another at Pork Chop and Company. Um, I want to go down and try the pastrami sandwich. Yeah. We'll see how that is. And uh, hopefully someday they'll put that ribeye on there. Yeah.
0: You know, that's a little bit of a change. We went when they first opened. It was a media thing. But neither one of us was overly impressed at the time. So I'm glad that they've kind of found their footing and— Mm-hmm. are doing stuff that really
2: is delicious. So then I took a little motorcycle ride last week, and uh, I started that ride off down in uh, Issaquah. Well, not Issaquah. I went to Fall City. Mm. And I went to the Fall City Roadhouse for breakfast. And I kind of figured it was going to be sort of so-so. I remember I had eaten there maybe four or five years ago. was not impressed. Mm-hmm. But I always like to try things again and again and again. You know, as long as you are <laughs> staying in business, something must be going right. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. So uh, I had breakfast, and it was fairly decent. The fruit was, was pretty fresh. Uh, the sausage patty wasn't greasy. Well, uh The egg was really good. Was it organic? Uh, It was not. Okay. I don't believe. Yeah. But uh, can't live clean every day. Yeah. Uh, and so I got on my motorcycle and I motored up over Snoqualmie Falls and then I motored up over Snoqualmie Pass and I went down into Elum and buzzed across the Squawk Prairie <laughs> and wound up in Leavenworth for lunch. Mm. And uh, there's uh, about five places you can go now in Leavenworth and get a sausage sandwich, <laughs> whether it's a bratwurst or whatever it is. It's German. So, uh, you know, they, they always had them, but there's a lot of places with outdoor eatery type things now. Mm-hmm. Well, the real the, the, the original go-to is uh, called Munchen, M-U-N-C-H-E-N, huh. and that's with two little dots over the top of the U, oh, so yeah. it might be Munchen, Munchen. I don't know. Uh, and I got uh, I found an organic chicken sausage sandwich. Wow! So that was my lunch, yeah. and it was quite good. They had a a, a lot. They had about seven different sausages on the menu. They were all about six and a half bucks a piece. Uh, got a really nice condiment bar. So if you don't like sauerkraut, don't worry about it. You're just oh. getting the sandwich, and then you go and you put what you want on.
0: Is that near the when you when you're coming into town? Is that near the front?
2: Yeah, so you come in town, you hang a little right, you drop down the hill, and then you hang a left and right there next to the little shop that sells cheap wine and kitchen gadgets. Oh, oh,
0: there's always a line up
2: there, isn't there? Yes, there was. Yeah, I know where it is. And they they got it figured out. They actually have an employee go out into the street and take orders from people and hand their slips to them. Wow. So when they get to the front counter, it's all sorted out, and the guy just punches it all in, takes their money, and then they can go get a table and – uh, they give you a, a vibrating device oh, yeah. and uh you know when your order's ready. So oh, that's great. So they, 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 it flows pretty well. Yeah. Um didn't see anybody in Lederhosen when I was there. Oddly mm. I only saw about well, I saw less than ten motorcycles in town and it was a beautiful day to ride. Usually there's a lot of motorcycles in Leavenworth. Yeah. So, uh, and then I guess
0: I came home and we went up to Saltoro for dinner. That's right. Which was actually an improvement over the last time you'd been there. We're, so yeah, we were glad to see that.
2: They were doing better mushrooms again and the, and the better fries were back. And yeah. So, a relief. All right. Well, hey, let's uh, take a little break. When we come back, we're going to do the news bites.
1: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by. Ethan Stoll Restaurants, fresh ingredients, Let's the food do the talking, from house-made pasta to ribeye for two. Find them at
4: www.ethanstollrestaurants.com. My name is Dennis Lucier. I live on Finney Ridge, and I like Local 360 because they bring together a lot of the local things that I find at the farmer's market and around town and uh, put it together in a really wonderful
3: way. Hi, this is Ethan Stoll, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
2: We are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Marin, the publisher. I'm here with Connie Adams, the lovely senior editor. (laughs) And we are going to get into our news bites. And I just want to remind you that you can keep up with our news bites as they happen by reading the column at seattledining.com. Connie? Yes. There's some crazy stuff going on out there. There's a lot of stuff going on. Well, this one's a little bit old. I'm sure
0: you've probably heard about this already, but it was past our podcast last month, so I want to bring it up. SeaTac Central Terminal is almost done, and I'm talking 402 days it took them to. If you've been out to the airport, you know you've gone gone where all the food stuff is, and there's all these partitions and everything. It's so now the new eateries are in. There's a Lucky Louie Fish Shack. Um, there's no more Ivers. And this is a Kathy Casey, and I'm sorry at the moment I'm not remembering her partner's name in this. She and another woman are doing concepts for airports and things like Mm -hmm. that. So um, while I was out there, I actually ate at Lucky Louie because I wanted to do that. And I thought it was really good. I I was pleased with it. So, What would you eat? uh, Fish and chips. And their tartar, I was like, it was so good. On the fish, Mm -hmm. it was like, yay. And so I started sticking my fries in it, too, and it was just so bland I couldn't. (laughs) So it says to
2: me that they paired that beautifully with the fish. Use your ketchup, you know, on fries. It's like a wine dinner, you know. The one wine you had at course number two doesn't go with course number three. Exactly,
0: Tartar is for fish.
2: Tartar wine. Mm.
0: Then there's the evergreens, which is a salad place, healthy. They've got grain bowls. And they're doing, I believe, a breakfast as well, which is not typical at Evergreens. Um, there's Polino, which which was formerly Polino Pasteria. They're just calling it Polino now. They used to have about – Well, it's because they closed down so many stores they had to cut the name in half. That's right. It was too long. <laughs> they had like 15 places, um, and now they just have the airport. And they're going to use that as a template to see if they can grow again. So um, both Evergreens and Polino, I've talked to these people, interviewed them recently. So look forward to written stories about these guys coming up on seattledining.com. And then they've got two places that are not so local, Pei Wei, Asian Kitchen, and then Koishi Sushi Bento. They both look really lovely. It looked like good food. The Sushi Bento place, you can actually sit at a counter bar or you can just take out, grab and go. Hmm. So... Um, That's kind of fun. Um, So that's what's happening at the airport. And then Westman's Bagel and Coffee, which is at 1509 East Madison.
3: Hold
2: on a second now. There's some future stuff. So Anthony's is on the way out. Salty's is coming in.
0: I think that's fascinating. Salty's is coming in. It's called Salty's at the Sea, all capital S-E-A, and Brew Top Social. And that's going to be a two-floor space um, on the north end. I, I don't know if Brewtop Social is separate or it's kind of a beer part of Salty's. I don't really
2: know. On the north, in the north terminal? No, the
0: north end of the central
2: terminal. Okay. I believe this, it's where uh, – The Hawk's Nest is going out of the north terminal. Oh, okay. I've, I've heard that.
0: Oh, Interesting. And there's so, yeah, some other new stuff went into the north terminal too. So,
2: so I guess what Connie is really saying here is, if you go into the airport and you want to have a little epicureal uh, outing, uh, go early, real early, mm-hmm. and and poke around and see what what everybody's doing, and yeah. and then eat. And you know, for
0: me, because if I'm going to get on a plane and be sitting for a while, I like to get a little walk in. So I don't mind. once you're past security, you can go into A, B, C, D, you know, N gates, wherever. Uh-huh. Um, Kathy Casey has another one called Relish, which is a burger place, which is pretty good. I've been there. that's good. Yeah. Um, there's the uh, Cafe Flora's um, outpost. what am I what can I say the name? but the veg- there's a, yeah, the
2: vegetarian place. The
0: vegetarian place. So, um there's a lot going on out there that's, you know, you've got a lot of options that aren't just Subway. And I think there is a Subway. There is a McDonald's. So, if you're desperate to be normal, the normal American traveler, you can do that, but there's a lot of other options. All right.
2: All right, now on to Westman's okay. Bagel. Okay,
0: Westman's Bagel and Coffee um, is a walk-up window. But they are constantly um Running out, I think, because so many people like it. So they're opening a second location in late spring in Pioneer Square. And after that, they're opening a Westman's Bake Shop in Seward Park. That will actually be a commissary kitchen. It's not a public space. But Pioneer Square will have a larger menu than the, the window. And they're going to have indoor seating and then eventually do brunch on weekends. Huh. So I'm, you're not at all a bagel person.
2: I don't touch them with a 10-foot pole.
0: And I love them, but they aren't very good for you in terms of fast carbs. They have carbs. no
2: nutritional value. Yeah. But, Zero.
0: But if you get the everything bagel, you get all those seeds and the garlic and the salt and the raw. It's just so good. So once in a rare while, I have to do that. So I would kind
2: of like to try their theirs and see what they're like. I'd have to just go and shoot like 10 milligrams of insulin if I ate a bagel. <laughs> and I don't shoot insulin. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, the Scandinavian beer hall skull is finally open. It it's taken a year of preparation. They're going to have aquavit, me. Uh, I don't know mead. Why they, well, it says mead, but I also have meal. I don't know what the heck that means. Well, yeah, they're going to have beer. meals too. They're going to have meals, beer and mead, and you can even drink from a horn.
2: So, oh, boy. Very exciting. Can I blend a, a bagel and drink it from a horn? You know, if it fills your need,
0: I would say yes. <laughs> so anyway, that's kind of exciting that that's finally
2: here. Well, here you say it's clearly filling a local need. To be able to drink from a horn. Oh, okay. Because yeah. I was saying, are there any Scandinavians left in Seattle? I was being sarcastic that,
0: you know, obviously there's a need of everyone to drink from a horn. So Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so they're, they're filling that need. Then uh, little big. Can't bring my own horn. I I bet not because it would be a different size. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> little Big Burger, which started in Portland in 2010, is here. Um, Green Lake will op- w- opened in late April. Capitol Hill is opening in May. Um, they ultimately plan to have 10 locations in the Seattle area. So keep your eyes peeled. They do. Cook to order burgers, truffle fries, and root beer floats, and they source everything from beef to ketchup in the Cascadia area. Hmm. Huh. Nothing um, sounds like it's organic or grass fed, but it's local. Hmm.
2: Huh. Uh, let me know how it goes.
0: All right, we'll see. We'll see if we run into them some point. Then there's a new chocolate come, chocolate spot coming to the Pike Place Market. Joe and the Chocolate Factory was founded by two UW grads, and that's opening in May next to Beecher's. Hmm. I want to see that business plan. Yeah, you know, it seems like there's plenty of chocolate at Pike Place Market. Yeah. Not to mention Seattle.
2: What was that Um, thing we heard about the m and M store? Oh, that was... um, Three stories high, Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. Have you...
0: Were you... Oh, you know, I was wandering by myself. They have one in Vegas when we were down for the show in Vegas. Oh yeah, I went in there, and it is just dream. did you go on all three floors? I, I didn't go to the third because that's apparently where people jump off. That's a that's a Jim Gaffigan joke. The third floor is where you jump off because you've just wasted so much time in an M M&M and M store. But uh, it it was pretty overwhelming. To be honest with you, it's just cram packed, and it's um whoever makes M&M's also makes a bunch of other stuff. So they had all their little candy bars, the Mars candy. Hershey's. Is that who it is? And Butterfingers. And, you know, so they had a ton of stuff. And of course, kids were going wild in there. So,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: yeah. Um, Closure. This is a, seemed like a surprise because they've been there for 15 years, but Crow restaurant on lower queen Anne is closing June 22nd. They're just not going to renew their lease. I don't know why, um, their other restaurant, Betty, at the top of Queen Anne Hill,
2: is still open. Does anybody want to guess that maybe they're going to tear the building down and build a four- or six-story-high condo or apartment?
0: You know, that would make sense. It's an older building. Yeah. And But they, these guys didn't renew their lease. They chose not to renew their lease. So it's oh. if they're going to do that, it's not. But now that they're doing that, maybe, maybe the owner will do that. Huh. I don't know. And then a change at Tankard & Tun, Gabe Spiel, who's been the chef, since opening, um, has left, and his replacement is the sous chef, Reese N- Um So that's that's just really happening. He's just been there. I mean, he's been there the whole time, but he's taken over, like, in the last several weeks. Mm. So that's kind of a new Might thing. Might have to
2: go eat there. I, I'm reading the head here on you. So yeah. they're switching their burger meat to all local grass-fed beef. Yes. When you make about 25,000 burgers a year. That's a really big thing,
0: and I think that may be in the pub as opposed to Tankard and Ton. I'm not sure if Tankard and Ton may do a burger too, but the pub probably does. Is the one that's turning out twenty five thousand burgers a year.
2: Yeah, well, and I wonder where they're getting the grass fed beef from.
0: Yeah, we don't know that, but but I'm I'm proud of them because they're saying it's going to cost us more, but we just feel strongly about doing the right thing. Yeah. So, you got to like that. Thank you, Charles and Roseanne. Charge
2: more. Yeah not going to kill you. People will pay. Yeah. I'll almost pay an extra buck for a grass-fed burger.
0: Yeah. And just for those of you who love the fundraiser Cooking with Class that we produce, Reese, the new chef at Tankard & Tun, will be there as a chef. So you can come down and meet him. Make a make a dish with him. Yeah. Then Copine, which is also in Ballard, ha- just started offering Sunday dinner in late April it is a pre-fee menu, and it changes week to week. It's only from four to eight.
2: Mm. No, <laughs> no insight as to what might be on that pre-fee menu.
0: Well, it changes every week, so yeah, true. You know, um, they're they're pretty high end, and they do some very nice things. So I'm sure it's going to be delicious.
2: I think they'll have a vegetable and a protein and a starch. What do you think? Maybe, maybe.
0: And maybe there's a dessert there, or maybe I can really see suggested things in advance. You're You're like a restaurant uh, rain man.
2: Hey, yeah, that's me. The yeah. restaurant rain man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, in the the intro today, we mentioned the Captain Whitby Inn, which is really a fun place. Mm-hmm. It has been needing some updates, and the new owners have now completed Updates on all 30 rooms, the suites, the cabins, everything. The historic bar, the dining room, and the lobby have been, and I'm putting this in quotation marks, thoughtfully redesigned. So
2: you mean that, that rickety uh, thing in the floor over the bar <laughs> yeah. where the bar stool would sink in? Yeah. That? You think that maybe they finally fixed that? I'm hoping.
0: <laughs> and I'm hoping thoughtfully means there's some hint of what it used to be. Oh, because I would imagine, yeah. Everybody's who's owned it has been trying to keep that historic. It's it's really old, well, you know. In
2: fact, it's a landmark and the only way you can do um, any renovations in that building is to right. get them approved by a landmark society. That's right. So they would have done it right.
0: Yep. And they have the, the people who bought it have redone other places. They have several. Oh good. So Because
2: that's quite an investment to go through the whole yes. property and yes. redo everything. Yeah. So
0: I think that's um,
2: – So I bet the hot tub is really officially finally gone out of that one cabin, huh? Oh,
0: yeah. If <laughs> if it, Maybe it's been redone, but it can't be what it was. <laughs> well, it's uh, out of code. <laughs> yeah. They've also newly planted all six acres. So I think it's going to be – I mean it, it's always been beautiful but sort of wild northwest, you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a little more um,
2: – Are they newly planted? We got to go. Yeah. We got to go. Yeah. I would like to. Time for an update on the cat that we'd be in. Yeah. In the pages of Seattle Dining.
0: Yeah. Um, another Northwest icon here is. Um, it's so funny I didn't write this down. It's. Oh, um, <laughs> God. Now yeah, I, I don't can't know what place
2: you're talking about here. I see it's number 10, but I don't yes. know what it is. This is
0: ridiculous. I can just see it. Kid Valley. Okay. Kid Valley. They're doing a thing that through May 12th, any time the sun is out, so we can only hope, you can get a free burger upgrade. And that might be bacon on it or ham or pineapple or onion straws. They have a whole bunch of onion things you can have. Mm -hmm. So you can get that for free. And then they're doing Friday's are now known as Friday Fry, F-R-Y, day. So everybody who orders a burger gets free fries on Friday.
2: That'll get them running. Yeah. All through. Yeah. All maybe through, literally. Yeah. Literally.
0: All through May 12th. So that'll be good. I, You know, I wonder, it may just be a, a marketing ploy or something, but the last few times I've been at a Kid Valley, they haven't been as busy. And at least the one, because I've been in Bothell a lot, mm-hmm. and the one in Bothell seems to have a lot of turnover on staff. Mm. So I think maybe they're, they're trying to say, hey, we've got it under control. We're doing some fun stuff. Come on in. I think Burgerville should just buy them out and be done with it.
2: and <laughs> they'll have their little footprint in Seattle.
0: Your restaurant Rainman dream. Yeah. So here's some news from Walla Walla. What did you think about this? This was amazing news. Yeah. Tabitha and Jake Crenshaw, who Jake used to work with um, Tamara Murphy at Brasa,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, they moved to Walla Walla and opened... Olive Marketplace and Cafe, and then they opened a second one, which they later changed to the Saint and the Center. and they have a catering firm. Um, they also have two or three kids, and apparently they just, toward the end of 2018, said, we're not spending enough time with the family. So they sold all three. They sold the Olive Marketplace and Cafe, which is still open, and the, the new owners are running it as it was. Mm-hmm. They purchased the Saint and Center also and closed it, and, and they're going to do a new concept and then they also took over their catering firm. So, um, quite a change. And that a change. Uh,
2: Tabitha is working for the folks at the Walla Walla State Company and mm-hmm. Crossbuck Crewing. She's Brook. the event director for them. Yeah.
0: So, and I don't have any news right now what Jake's doing. But um, they said they're probably going to stay in the restaurant hospitality industry. Obviously, she is. Um, both of those places are owned by Fire and Vine. Mm-hmm. So, um, so, we'll see what
2: happens there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, so that's the news. Lots of changes. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to take a little break, and then when we get back, we'll do the calendar.
1: Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by... Esquin Wine and Spirits. Drop by and check out one of the widest inventories of wines from around the world, as well as local and international spirits, all procured by their expert staff. Is your wine collection ready for a new home? Esquin offers monthly wine store storage lockers in a temperature-controlled environment. Visit their website at madwine.com today.
0: Hi, this is Lisa from Seattle, and we love to celebrate at Canlis Restaurant.
3: I'm Ben Dimitri from La Cole Number 41 Winery, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show.
2: are back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom, the publisher. I'm here with Connie, the senior editor. Hello. And we have lots going on on our calendar. Uh, we don't, you know, we highlight stuff here on the show, but you can go on seattledining.com anytime you want and hit the calendar and you'll see a lot more listings for things that are going on around Seattle, around the Puget Sound.
0: And we also put in... Uh, links to things that
2: we won't talk about necessarily. We're not reading links here on the show, so you have to go to the calendar if you want to link to some of these.
0: So what's your guess for the first one? The first one is right away on Wednesday, May 1st at 6.30 p.m. It's a Poliziano wine dinner at Tavolata in Belltown. Apparently, uh, they are known for their Molte Poliziano wine. So Mm. $95 per person, plus tax and grat. Reservations are required, Chef Roger Harper, who also, by the way, will be at Cooking with Class this year, has created a four-course family-style menu showcasing the wines, and winery rep Ernesto Sestan will be there to speak about the wines.
2: And I have to say, one of my most memorable Seattle dinners was a Tavolata, and, and it, it was a good memory. It, we, and it was one of those we,
0: I'm not sure we planned it, we just went down and, and thought, let's try it. Yeah. And it, and it turned out to be... Amazing.
2: Oh, we got to go back.
0: Yeah. We got to go back.
2: I've had some memorable dinners where I got kicked out of places, but. Uh, Different memories, really. I didn't get kicked out of town a lot. <laughs> All right. On uh, Saturday, the 4th of May, uh, at various times, not sure what that I c- means. I can explain that. Uh, it's the Bacon and Beer Classic at T Mobile Park. What does that mean? Various times.
0: Various times because they do it in two shifts. They do a uh, afternoon and an evening entry. So you pick between we. Is uh, it afternoon. a double
2: header that day?
0: No, it has nothing to do with. There's no game.
2: There's no game.
0: No, you're just going to the, oh. the beer and bacon and beer classic. Um, <laughs> so you can choose. A VI, if you juice general admission in the afternoon, it's from 1 to 4 as a certain price. If you want to be a VIP, it's noon you can get in before everybody. Um, And then uh, the same in the evening. It starts like 7 to 10, but if you get VIP, it's at 6. And then there's something else that I'm blanking
2: right now. Do do we talk about it? So the tickets are $69 to $125. There's going to be over 100 craft beers. And 30 Bacon Sides. Mm. Uh, Played Giant Jenga, Bob for Bacon, and Pose for Friends at the Stadium.
0: With Friends. So
2: you can do selfies and pictures
0: with bacon and things uh, like that.
2: Bobbing yeah. for Bacon. Bobbing for Bacon. What We've is never the been... bacon in? Maple I'm...
0: syrup? I Wouldn't that be delicious? It would be a mess, but delicious.
2: <laughs> they have like showers on site where I can pose <laughs> yeah. off.
0: <laughs> All right. On Monday, May 13th, from 5 to 8 p.m., it's Women in Beer at Pike Brewing Company. This is part of Seattle Beer Week. $45 general admission, 100 VIP admission, and only $30 if you're the designated driver. Um, there's craft beverages, local foods, and the women who make them. The event benefits Planned Parenthood of the Great Northwest and Hawaiian Islands, which I think is interesting.
2: Hmm. Because I guess they got nobody down in Hawaii. Come on, doesn't Dog the Bounty Hunter have like a Mm. fundraiser for Planned Parenthood? You'd think so. He should. He should. All right, Thursday, uh, May 16th, 5 to 9 p.m., it's the 17th annual Rose Revival Rose Rose Revival. Revival and Cool Whites at the Woodmark Hotel. $35 $35 a person, or there's a special VIP entry that gets you in earlier at 5 p.m. Uh, for $50. Uh, early entry is limited to 100 people. Rosé and white wine tasting on the patio, watching the sunset over the Olympic Mountains on Lake Washington.
0: That sounds pleasant.
2: Yeah, I do that right here from my, oh, that's true. From my patio yeah. now and then. When, when it's sunny. But you don't have, like, 35 wines to check from. Well, probably about 60 over in the cooler there. <laughs> and if I play my cards right, I go up to Kid Valley and get a little bacon side on yeah. my burger for no extra charge. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so this is going to be um, 35 Northwest wineries pouring their latest releases for summer. Kind of a pre uh, an early look at this stuff.
0: Saturday... May 18th from 1 to 4 p.m. It's the Rising Stars Tasting Experience at the Walter Clore Wine and Culinary Center. That's in Prosser. It's $55 plus tax, 40 plus tax if you're a club member. And it's a tasting experience of Washington's newest wineries. So that's kind of fun. It, it would be places maybe you don't know about yet. Unlimited wine tasting, storytelling, commemorative wine glass, and a personal snack plate. Always my
2: favorite. And that's happening in Prosser, Washington. It is. Uh, Saturday, May 18th at 1 p.m. I think this is sort of like an annual event now. It's the rum class mm-hmm. at Serafina and Chichetti. That's over on Eastlake Avenue. Uh, it's going to be $80 plus tax and grat. Explore the origins of rum, the evolution of its production, and the cocktails made from it. And it includes a four-course paired lunch; hence, the eighty-dollar ticket. Yeah, that makes sense. Twenty dollars a course. Yep. And if you go with another person, you can share courses and make it an eight-course meal.
0: (laughs) Except you're all having the same one. Same thing. (laughs) All right. On Sunday, May nineteenth, from two to six p.m., the Lamb Jam returns. That's going to take place at the Seattle Design Center. VIP tickets are 125. Um, main event tickets are 75. 16 chefs will duke it out for the title of Lamb Jam Seattle Champion. And also, I didn't put this in here, but whoever wins here goes someplace else. And you, it's a, like a national thing. Mm. So whoever wins Seattle will go on. Um, it's a global culinary tour all about lambs. So there's four categories, Asian, Latin, Mediterranean, and Middle Eastern. Each chef can choose which category they want to be in, and then the attendees, that would be you, and local food media, that could potentially be you, but it's not, decide the winner. So they're celebrating the 80,000, I think this is interesting, 80,000 family-operated farms and ranches in America. Ticket purchase benefits the University
2: District Food Bank. Well, you know, I... Was a real I was very standoffish for a long time about lamb because I'd had so much nasty lamb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things I used to like about Lamb Jam was that they sourced it all out of Oregon. Mm-hmm. Are they? Do we know if they're still doing that, or because they're celebrating the seventy thousand or the eighty thousand ranches, they're just getting it from anywhere?
0: I think um, it's put on by the American Lamb Board. Mm-hmm. So I. You know, I don't know where it would be sourced, but I do not think it's specific. I mean, maybe for each regional thing, they do source it regionally. Yeah, I don't and know. I think
2: that was the fair thing to do because uh, not only did I know that I could eat that lamb because it was decent, mm-hmm. but because – Everybody had to use the same lamb. Yeah. The competition was more about what was in your sauce or your preparation. And uh, it made it a much more level playing field yeah. than if, if I could go get this super-duper lamb over here and you just had your little, you know, shoddy lamb yeah. from Ellensburg. Yeah. Yeah. Shoddy lamb from and Ellensburg. I had shoddy lamb from Ellensburg.
0: <laughs> we'll be hearing from
2: the city fathers. <laughs> I know two brothers who know that I thought it was shot. <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Um, let's see. Coming up on Saturday, May 25th from 10 to 6, and Sunday, May 26th from 10 to 5, is the Brennan Shrimp Fest. And uh, I just want to say thank you, Brennan Shrimp Fest. You're a sponsor of Seattle Dining. Yeah. We appreciate it. It's what keeps the lights on here. So it's free to enter. Free to attend, I should probably say. Free to attend. Uh, You have to pay for the food. I guess you're probably buying food tickets, huh? Uh, And there are vendors there as well. Maybe they'll be selling you shrimp. They are. Uh, are. The celebration of Hood Canal, spot shrimp and other local seafood. Cross your fingers for no red tide. (laughs) Uh, Craft booths, food booths. Belt sander races. Which you, if you have
0: a belt sander at home, you can decorate it and bring it and enter that race.
2: Wow. Well, will people be bringing in their wooden floors to get them <laughs> raced on? Uh, there will be exhibits and live musics and kids' activities and more. Great family fun. Yeah. Proceeds are donated to community projects.
0: They also plan this time-wise. So that uh, if all things are good nature-wise, there's a lot of uh, clam digging and things. So if you want to make it a weekend and come down and do that and then dig some clams to take home,
2: mm.
0: all good fun. All right. End of the month, Friday, May 31st, 5.30 to 11 p.m. It's the Kick Hunger Challenge Celebrity Poker at CenturyLink Field. This is for some either high rollers or really great players because it's 300 per person to get into this poker game. It includes dinner, and John Howie Catering is providing that and the beverages. Um, it includes the tournament, parking, whiskey tasting, and a silent auction, which I think is funny, that that's like a bonus. Hey, your ticket includes a silent auction where you can pay more money.
2: <laughs> Bring your checkbook.
0: <laughs> so the hosts are Cliff Averill, Jordan Babineau, and Chef John Howie. You're going to play Texas Hold'em with former Seahawks superstars Cliff Jordan, Gary Payton from the Sonics, and more celebrities to be announced. And the proceeds benefit Food Lifeline. Hmm. The other thing I just wanted to mention, if you're you know following along and saying, "Hey, May is Mother's Day. What the heck? What's going on?" Interestingly, people are really not putting a lot out yet. I've heard from Cedar Brook Lodge they've got a a special thing going on. Perosky is doing gift boxes for moms, so you could take some Peroskys home to her. And Hollywood Tavern has some special um, dishes they're adding to their regular menu. But that's all I've heard about so far. So keep
2: coming back. It's going to come in all last minute. Yep. So So uh, just keep checking. Uh, and- you'll be compiling it on the calendar. Our listeners can come into Seattle Dining when they're ready and keep checking the calendar. Exactly. All right, we're we'll taking a little break, and when we come back
1: we got something really interesting coming up. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Salty Seafood Waterfront Restaurants. Visit them on the water at their Alki, Redondo, and Portland locations.
4: My name's Ryan. I live in Beacon Hill, and my favorite restaurant to eat at is El Quetzal.
2: Hi, this is Shannon from Friday Harbor from the San Juan Islands Visitors Bureau, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining Show. Welcome back to the Seattle Dining Show. I'm Tom Barron and we're rolling into the spin cycle now, or something like that. <laughs> uh, so uh, we've got uh, two gentlemen here today, T and Tony Scott from Woodblock and Spark Pizza. And uh, Connie, you're going to do a little interview here with these guys. I am indeed. Welcome, you guys.
3: Right, nice to be here. Yeah.
0: So, Tony, I wanted to talk to you first because you and your wife, Carolyn, started Woodblock in Redmond, And then you've just recently, like in the last month, started up Spark Pizza, also in Redmond. So tell us about Woodblock, first of all. What made you decide you wanted to do that crazy thing and open a restaurant? And then um, what was it that brought T to your attention and, and made you want to hire him for the executive chef?
4: Yeah, absolutely. So. Carolyn and I had talked about opening a restaurant, like many many people do, for a long time. We actually had met waiting tables in Seattle oh, okay. back in the mid 1990s. We were both working at um, Painted Table oh, yeah. uh, downtown, and you know, went back to school. I continued bartending and and waiting and all that sort of stuff through school and after school, and eventually when did boring corporate jobs and always knew we kept talking about it every time we'd go out, man this would be really fun. That's, you know, I have this idea. Let's do this. And that sort of thing. We're always just feeding off each other. And a few years ago, we finally had the ability, um, to do that. Mm -hmm. And we live in Redmond. We wanted to do something in Redmond. Um, I mean, that's our home. That's where I've lived for 20 years now, kind of accidentally, but (laughs) 20 years in Redmond, that's home. And our kids are there, schools, there. friends and, it 's a little town we' right up the hill from downtown, yeah. and we felt there were some opportunities, there were some things that just weren 't there, yeah, you know we 'd go out to eat in Seattle or certain kinds of restaurants we'd really want to go to, and there was just nothing like that in Redmond, so that was kind of the impetus for. Yeah. For Woodblock, the hope of doing some, the plan of doing something that was not available in yeah. Redmond or not a whole lot on the East side. And so what we, is the concept? So the concept, you know, we really wanted to focus on a cocktail bar, mm-hmm. you know, with great content cocktails, um, lots of really interesting mixes, a deep selection of booze as well as just a nice, fresh menu mm-hmm. um, that is going to change seasonally as well as, you know, bringing in some ingredients that aren't, the typical neighborhood yeah. joint, okay. even though we still want to have that feel being mm-hmm. that neighborhood
0: still joint. offering something a little bit different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Can you give us any examples of that?
4: Um, you know everything from the mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. You know everybody has mac and cheese. Ours has you know four different cheeses. Also got some apple sticks on top of it. Oh, kind wow. of a cool, crisp, uh, refreshing apple with the uh, the melty, gooey, yeah. delicious cheese. We were thinking, sound like a
2: it sound like a fondue going on in that mac
4: and I cheese. Know. It kind of is. I was yeah. just
2: gonna hang up my headsets too and head out, but
4: <laughs> <laughs> we have an like awesome fried chicken. Just this wonderful mm. sweet crust on it just that just Mm. really goes with the chicken itself Mm -hmm. so it's not a typical overly heavy fried Mm -hmm. coating it's just a really nice light airy touch of sweetness on it that just really compliments that chicken yum
0: so how did you find tea
4: um through people Mm-hmm. Through people who know things, who know people. <laughs> and, you know, we were looking for somebody who's going to be a good fit. We really we have an open kitchen and like that really inviting, open feel, somebody who can communicate well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met him and loved him right away. I was like, man, I hope we can get him.
3: You yeah, know, I was fun. actually just uh, heading back in from uh, San Francisco. I was down oh. there for a couple of years uh, running a restaurant group and uh, I knew this is home for me. Uh, the East Side yeah. is home. Uh, I went to high school. I was just telling. Um, a friend of ours that uh, I live in Kirkland, and I went to uh, high school in Juanita. Oh, okay. So, any opportunity for me to move back home, be in the area, uh, I was, uh, I'm welcome to the to the idea and the opportunity. So, this presented itself, and met Tony and Carolyn, and I knew that it was uh, it was the right match mm-hmm. for both of us. Um, and the concept was was right up our alley. Not, nothing too fussy, nothing um, too uh, you know complicated or overthought. It was just good, honest food, uh, mm-hmm. done really well, and uh, that was that was the biggest draw for me, for sure. Yeah, yeah. do you source locally? Uh, as much as we can, for yeah. sure. Um, the The problem is that we have uh, it's a, a nice size restaurant, but the walk-in is just a little bit small, so it's hard for me to to bring in large amounts of of, of local ingredients mm-hmm. at one give and at, at any given point in time. Um, and then maintain that throughout the week, so we yeah. we can when i 'm sorry, excuse me <laughs> we 'll bring in locally sourced items when we can mm-hmm. um, and if it makes sense for for the restaurant for mm-hmm. sure, yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: well, the other good news is that it 's always fresh yeah. because you can 't store anything <laughs>
3: <laughs> no we uh, i mean it's a it's a uh, thankfully it 's a a nice steady restaurant uh, and we 're always going through products so that's definitely definitely not an issue for us at all. Yeah, yeah.
0: So then, how did Spark come about? Was that something you, because you've got a an Italian background? I,
3: I do, but actually, I was, that was Tony's brainchild. Oh, okay. How did you come up with that, Tony? You know, I've always loved pizza.
4: And again, it was we're looking at you know man, it'd be kind of fun to open another place. This is going really well. It's going too well. Really bad. Exactly. Let's (laughs) let's mess it all up and try something new. You know, we'd love pizza. We're talking about we could do pizza, and there's just again, there's not a whole lot a lot on the east side. You know, this style of pizza, Mm -hmm. and so we took we said, hey T, uh, any interest in? Taking a trip to New York City and eat
3: pizza? And I said no.
4: Yeah, of course I said yes. Of course you yeah. of course. <laughs> no. Yeah, you know, how about we go to Naples and Rome? Do you want to do that too? That sounds awful. And so that, that's, that's where we went. We ate pizzas together. Oh, we talked about it, you know, three or four pies a day. And, you know, kind of like this is the crust we kind of like. We were all, I think, on the same page. For sure. 100%. Of what we were looking
3: for. And then we had to come back and
4: they had to recreate it. I, you know. Yeah. That's
3: not me. Yeah, that that was uh you know that was definitely the fun part of it. The the research and development. Oh, yeah. I mean going through uh I gosh with two three different restaurants a day. Nice. Uh eating, you know, eating our way through New York and and through wow. through Italy. But I think we came down with the ultimate consensus of what kind of pizza we want, we wanted uh and wanted to recreate uh, at Spark so the easy part was, was eating, and then the hard part <laughs> came with, with getting into the kitchen and then trying to recreate that. Uh, and that was definitely a process because there's so many different uh, aspects to, to bringing that all together. It's not just opening up a cookbook and, right. and throwing together a recipe. I mean, there's, there's just too many factors to, to name, but uh, temperature, humidity, the type of oven that you have, the kind of walk-in that you have, uh, Mm -hmm. the list goes on and on. So it was more or less a trial and error process, and and we knew that going into it. Mm -hmm. um, But uh, Chef Kyle and I, Chef Kyle is actually the chef de cuisine of Spark Pizza, Mm -hmm. who uh, is an amazing chef. And he he and I just kind of went through it and and went through the different iterations of the recipe and came up with something I think that works really well for us.
0: And it's kind of unique, isn't it? It's a bit of a amalgamation of styles.
3: It is. It's a little bit of a hybrid. I don't know. Maybe, Tony, you can chime in a little bit. But I think it's sort of a nice uh, hybrid between the Neapolitan style and the the style that you find in the new, or how are they describing this, neo-Neapolitan style in oh, Brooklyn. Okay. Oh, okay. And so it's a little bit crunchier uh, than the Neapolitan style, not as fluffy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it definitely ha- definitely has a little bit more body to it. Um, it has a little bit more chew to it. Um, I don't. How would you describe it, Tony? Yeah, I mean the chew is still there, but
4: it's still a thin crust. Oh, yeah. So we say it's a little bit crispy. It's not like a big like cracker. <laughs> it's a very gentle, but I mean it's distinct crisp before oh, okay. you get into that chew. That wonderful sort of sourdough because you know it rises for two days, oh, forty wow. eight hours. You know, just these great flavors.
3: Oh out of gosh. that. And then that's what's
2: taking up all the space in the walk-in, huh?
3: <laughs> actually, it takes about uh, half the space in the walk-in in all That's our biggest yeah. limiting factor it, right it now sure is how much dough is. we can make. Sure is. I think
2: there's a new walk-in on the way, don't yeah. you? Yeah,
3: yeah, I'm thinking so, too. But, uh, yeah, but it is uh, actually a, a combination because uh, a lot of the Neapolitan styles use just one type of flour. Uh, but we're using okay. two different types. And actually, we're oh. incorporating bread flour uh, from the Smalls Family Farms out in Walla Walla. And uh, we're we're putting some of that into the Italian style double zero flour to come up with this uh, the ideal crust in our mind um, that works that has not only the crunch that we're looking for but also the chew. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing.
2: Does does water play a factor for you on your dough?
3: That's a really good question. Actually, water does play a factor. Uh, you know, in all honesty, you you go through um, trade shows and you you open up books. And you you listen to these people talk, pizza aficionados talk about how important the water is, and how you know a lot of uh, pizza experts would say well the, the best pizza comes from New York because of the water and that is you know definitely true i don 't know about how i don 't know about their take on of, of the best pizza being from New York. however, pizza does play a huge part of it, and it is one of four or five ingredients in our in our mm-hmm. in our recipe. Um, but at the same time, we're not here to make New York-style pizza. We're here to make Redmond-style pizza. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's what's going to separate us from, from the rest pizza. of Tolt River pizza. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the water from Redmond is actually pretty okay. delicious. Yeah. That's where yeah. it
2: comes from, the
4: Tolt River. Yeah, there it is. So, and one of the factors with the water, which I think I'm fascinated with, is depending on the weather, depending on how humid it is, temperature, oh. the chef has to go in there and change that water quantity, the oh, hydration every day oh, when they're making the Dough. Wow, or else it changes how it comes Yeah, because you have to feel out. it, and what is it going to feel like, and how much water. You can't just read a recipe. Huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I wonder if, if
2: the salmon run has anything to do with that, too.
3: Mm. <laughs>
4: uh-huh.
3: <laughs> That's a fascinating <laughs> question, perhaps. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we certainly, have uh, because of heat and humidity, we also have to adjust the the amount of yeast that we put okay. into to the dough. And we've started, actually, we've cut down the yeast uh, quantity by about 40% since we first initially did the recipe testing. Uh, again, that's just because of of the different factors that we're dealing with and the, the quantities that we're we're producing. Um, so that comes into play with the artistry of being a you know a pizza pizza chef or a a, a pizza restaurant is that we have to um, move with the ebb and flow of of how things go uh, based on on the day. So wow, it's, it's pretty pretty fun actually to be in there.
0: It would be kind of interesting, but it seems like you'd want to move to some place where the weather's the same every single day. Oh, that would be too boring. <laughs> no. I no,
3: couldn't deal with that. No.
0: Now, speaking of not boring, the pizza names are pretty amusing. Who's, who's coming up with those?
3: <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's pointing at me. But it's, it's got to be me. And, I, you know, in all honesty, I, I think uh, I was sharing this story with Tony and Carolyn. I literally – I'm not, I'm not good with uh, being forced to come up with something creative right off the bat. Like mm-hmm. if you point at me, and like, hey – come up with something. I It it probably wouldn't come to mind. However, it, it, the inspiration usually strikes me at, at the oddest hours. And I think (laughs) I woke up at about two or three o'clock in the morning and I was just, uh, I was inspired to, to write these pizzas out. So I literally got on my laptop and, and then started plugging away and I came up with these pizzas and about, uh, we have 12 pizzas on the menu currently. And I think, uh, I think about 10 out of the 12 pizzas that we currently have were, uh, a product of that night's inspiration oh gosh. for sure. That yeah. was an inspirational yeah. night. And all right.
2: The listeners are waiting. They want to hear some of the names of these pizzas.
3: Oh, gosh. Uh, I think the one that comes to mind, uh, the first one is in prosciutto of happiness. I think, that, <laughs> I think that is the most charming out of all of them. Uh, gosh, uh, don't be crudo. Uh, that's our, our take of, uh, that's actually an interesting one. It's a beef carpaccio pizza. Wow. So you don't necessarily find the two put together. Uh, beef yeah. carpaccio is sort of a dish on its own, um, but I thought you know again at 2 a.m. why wouldn't <laughs> why wouldn't you want to put raw beef on top of a hot pizza? <laughs> and oddly enough, once we did it and tried it, it came together and it was perfect. And but
0: the, the beef would not be rare. I mean, raw.
3: No, it, it, no. A bit, uh, actually, once the pizza comes out, it's it's hot, mm-hmm. but it cools down quite a bit as it sits. So I mean, it's it's sitting on the plate for another 10, 20 seconds before we cut into it while we finish uh, garnishing the pizza. Mm-hmm. And then w- by the time we put the rare beef on top, um, it sort of just warms up and it doesn't cook. Oh, wow! yeah. So it stays this nice, bright, vibrant, vibrant red. And then we top it with some more arugula and some, uh, shavings of pecorino oh. and also capers. And we have some smoked olives underneath there. It's, oh. it all works out great. Yum. Yeah. And then another, uh, splash of lemon juice on top too. Ooh. Yeah. It's really, really good. That sounds great. Uh, gosh, what else is there? Uh, Every, every day, day I'm truffling. Every day I'm truffling. Yeah, you stole the words right <laughs> out of my mouth. That's a fun one. Uh, again, these are all like – I'm I'm really lighthearted and fun in, in the kitchen, and I'm always joking around and, and singing wacky songs, and these are <laughs> sort of a byproduct of, of that experience of me being in the kitchen, for sure. I love it.
0: <laughs> now, it's definitely wood-fired, correct?
3: A hundred percent. And wood-fired. what do you like
0: when you were thinking about this and starting something well, – your concept was probably wood-fired, but why was that? I mean what was it about that that you like better than other
3: Well we, we Tony and I actually we had a conversation about this and I remember this quite vividly and he asked me you know what what would work best and for me I've, I've always done uh, a gas-powered uh, gas-fired oven mm-hmm. and mainly because it was consistent and it was easy for me to control. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I personally have never worked in a, uh, with a wood fired oven before, but chef Kyle, the chef de cuisine there, uh, has, and has, um, had I had the utmost confidence in his ability to 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 work in that environment and we knew ultimately after eating through New York and Italy <laughs> that this was the way to go in terms of flavor in terms of the presentation in terms of the ambiance and what we wanted really to present mm-hmm. uh, i think that was a no brainer for us yeah. and it's worked out great uh, we're getting uh, we're using applewood for our main fuel source and uh, it imparts a, a, I think uh, a flavor that's second to none and you couldn't duplicate that with, with any gas stove that I can yeah. think of for sure because not only does it give you that ambient heat um, that uh, that that warms up the pizza from, from the crust on, but also uh, as a fire curls up around the top of the dome of the pizza oven, um, I think they call that the, the tongue of the fire. Gosh, I'm, I'm starting to zero out in it, but once you have cooked the pelt of the pizza, you bring the pizza up to the dome to oh. to to color it and to brown the crust and to melt everything up, and oh. you can't get that same effect from no. using a, a, a gas powered oven. So that was, I think, that was the main reasons why why we uh, chose to go with the wood. Okay. Sure. Yeah, it's okay. delicious.
0: Now you do things other than pizza. You do some charcuterie and salads and desserts and things like that. I think you make your own cheese. Is is most of that made in house? Like, do you do your own char- charcuterie and
3: uh, not just yet we're so we're bringing in prosciutto di parma uh we we we're doing uh, our own porchetta that we, we have on the charcuterie board uh we're bringing in a couple of different salamis but as we start to uh get a foothold into uh, the process i think we'll be doing more and more charcuterie and that's that's one of my passions and when i was living in italy truth be told i mean i i think i lived off of of charcuterie <laughs> uh, that was, uh, that is definitely a passion of mine and I'd, I'd love to do some more of that for sure. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but for now we're, we're bringing in a couple of things and we're making it when we can. Uh, we mm-hmm. have a hand pulled matz. I think that is, that's a really delicious dish. Um, and it literally is as soon as the the customer orders it, uh, we pour some, uh, hot water over it, some, uh, some salt and we let it steep and then we, we literally hand pull it to, to every order. And mm-hmm. we, uh, and then you, it, sorry, it gets taken to the table with a couple pieces of crustini and then the the server or myself will usually go there and, and and cut it into thirds, and then place each piece of mozzarella on the, on the crustini. So it's a a very interactive dish. In all honesty, yeah. it's a simple dish, but I think um, that's sort of the the beautiful part about Italian food is that. Um, it's simple, but it's it's, it's straightforward, and sort of it's yeah, yeah, it's really oh, good. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, we're not we're not an Italian restaurant. I don't I don't like to think that we are, and mm-hmm. I'm sure Tony will will definitely tell you more about that. I don't, I don't you know you wouldn't consider us a tiny restaurant, right?
4: No, I no, that. I mean really the goal. I mean, there's lots of great inspirations from mm-hmm. from Italian cuisine, from pizza, from all those things, but. Uh, and we're, we're here in America. We're doing all sorts of things. We don't want to have to follow any sort of mm-hmm. rule about what we're doing. There's so many yeah. great ideas that T has, that Kyle have, and we just want to be able to share those and have fun with those yeah. versus being restricted.
0: Yeah. And, sort of like making wine. We right. don't want to go through the all the guidelines in France or anything else. Just do what America does.
3: Certainly. And, and you know, and, and from that from that strain of thought, I think it kind of is liberating for, for us as chefs in that we're not, uh, we're not confined to a box. We're, we're able to kind of explore and, and stretch our culinary legs a little bit. And, you know, we have a little bit more artistic license to to come up with dishes that uh, speak to us and, and to, to the customers. Uh, i think one example is the bruschetta it's you know it's not your typical like i'm going to get a you know a piece of toast with some tomatoes and some cheese on it and, and call it good mm-hmm. uh it's actually a smoked mackerel so we 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 smoke the mackerel in house and then uh it's a, a sort of a texas toast uh with a tarragon aioli um a raw broccoli salad uh, has some watermelon radish has some pickled onions um, it's got a lot of play to it, and it's really a, a fun dish. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: You know, we've got um, – we're going to have to wrap it up, but I wanted, before we close out, to kind of talk about your background and a little bit about Kyle's, because you've worked together before,
3: and you've worked at interesting places. Yeah, we certainly have. Uh, so uh, Kyle and I worked, worked together uh, at the book bindery back in the day. I was probably about, yeah. gosh, about eight, eight nine it's years ago. That long already. has been. So I was a sous chef there, and he came on as a line cook. And, uh, we, that's when we first met and we instantly hit it off. Uh, we have a similar cooking style. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've certainly been in some battles together and (laughs) chef Sean McCrane whipped us in the shape for sure. (laughs) He's, uh, he's currently now at Copene and actually, uh, since then, uh, uh, Kyle, uh, moved on to be, uh, chef Sean McCrane's sous chef at Copene. Um, but throughout the years, we've, we maintain that re- friendship. And we've said that anytime that we get to get an opportunity to work together, we would definitely look at it. And when Tony came to, to me and saying that, said that he wanted to open up a pizza restaurant, it was, that was the first name that came to mind mm-hmm. because Kyle uh, has uh, experience uh, working uh, with, with pizzas for gosh, about three years or so. So I know he was the right person for the job. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing chef.
0: Oh, that's great. I can't thank you guys enough for coming today. This has been great. Yeah, thank you for coming out. Yeah, yeah
3: thank you
2: for thank having me. you
1: yeah.
2: yeah. All right, we'll take a little break, and when we come back, we've got some
1: tips and tricks. Support for Seattle Dining and the Seattle Dining Show is provided in part by Collections Cafe at Chihuly Garden and Glass at the Seattle
4: Center. Enjoy Northwest Fair, craft beer, and Northwest wine surrounded by Dale Chihuly's eclectic collections. For more information, go to chihulygardenandglass.com.
0: Hi, I'm Josh
3: from Capitol Hill. I can't make up my mind what my favorite place is yet.
4: Hello, this is uh, Tracy with Heritage Meats from Rochester, Washington, and you're listening to the Seattle Dining
3: Show.
2: We're back on the Seattle Dining Show. I'm your host, Connie Adams. I'm here with the publisher, Tom Marin. Sometimes it's like that backwards. Is it Freaky Friday or Freaky Wednesday? We've we've
0: changed places,
2: huh? Well, anyways, um, whoever I am, uh, we got some tips and tricks to close the show up. What do you got? You got one here about spending too much money, I
0: think. Yeah, I'm, I'm talking about controlling expenses here. Uh, most of us are on some kind of a budget, and the less you spend each time you go out, means you can go out more often. Doesn't mean you shouldn't splurge sometimes. But lately, I've been seeing a lot of stuff like, "Hey, we've got a thousand dollar dinner going on," and I'm like, "Are you flying in what meat could from possibly an? Possibly
2: en- be worth a thousand dollars.
0: That's what I'm saying. Are you flying in meat from endangered species? I mean, that's just bad for the earth. Besides being expensive, so and it's not. I talk to chefs, and they go, "Well." If you want the best ingredients, then you're going to pay for them. Well, I don't think it's a thousand dollars. So, I mean, we've been blown away by one hundred dollar dinners. Cooking with class is such a fun, interactive, great food, beer, wine thing. That's one hundred and seventy five. Plus, it's a fundraiser, so it's, it's doing some good. Yeah. You know, so if you've got more money than you know what to do with, go for the thousand dollar dinner. I'm sure it'll be great, and you'll have a great memory. But for most of it, it's really just not reasonable. Take a look at what's out there. There's a lot going on. And match it to what you can afford to spend and, and, you know, whether you're celebrating something special or just control those expenses.
2: And if you want to get a hold of the finest ingredients available, go buy organic beef. Go buy wild salmon at reputable stores like Central Market, oh. PCC, mm-hmm. Get organic veggies and herbs. Grow your own herbs. Yeah. When you do these things, you will have all the finest ingredients, and they will not cost you a thousand dollars per meal.
0: And I know, um, you know, we're partial to the Northwest. But if you talk to any chef who's in the Northwest, they're like, "Oh my God, the what we have here—the natural bounty that's in yeah. the Northwest—is amazing." Yeah, we
2: have a pretty, pretty good selection in yeah. our cornucopia. Yeah,
0: plus the terroirs you know, so good in terms of the grass that the animals eat. And so you don't have to spend that much money.
2: What about you? All right. Uh, well, it's barbecue season. Mm. So, uh, I just want to remind everybody with a barbecue, big or small wood chips are an awesome way to flavor your meat. And, uh, I was cleaning my barbecue this week and I realized that, uh, I live in a condo, so I cannot use a charcoal burner, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, uh, I have a gas burner, and that ring, that tube down in there, kind of goes around the perimeter of the barbecue. And dead center, there's nothing. And that's the place to put your wood chips. Oh, yeah. And you could have a small little tiny hibachi and just take some wood chips. You can buy them at Lowe's or Home Depot. or And there's a variety. Yeah, there's a whole lot of different types. And uh, I actually created a grid so I know what goes with what whether it's apple or mesquite or hickory. Uh, But uh, you can just roll them up in some tinfoil and punch some holes in that tinfoil. And as soon as you light the barbecue, put them in there and let them start smoking and start cooking. Put your meat out around the areas where the heat's going to be, and uh, that smoke wants to escape, and it has to go past the meat to escape. Ah, okay. And so you get your flavoring in that way. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's my tip for barbecue season.
0: And we may have talked about this before, but you will also sometimes snip a little thing of fresh rosemary and put that on the barbecue and let that flavor too. Yeah, because
2: even though I'm in a condo right out here on my patio, I've got my herb garden. I've got the sage and the rosemary and the thyme. I've got uh, mint, and I'm growing cilantro this year. Mm. Uh, I'll be getting some uh, basil pretty soon here. Yeah. And yeah, cutting that, snipping that rosemary. You know, a lot of people had their rosemary bush die this winter. Oh, too cold. The uh, snow, too cold. Yeah, they don't like that. So uh, take the dead rosemary branches and throw them into barbecue. Oh yeah. Smoke your meat with that. Oh yeah. Mm, mm, Great mm, idea. Mm. Don't waste things. Don't waste things. Joel mm, Gameron
0: mm. would be proud of you. <laughs> All right, it is time to wrap up. Thank you for joining us on the May Show. If you're not already a subscriber to our online magazine, it's free to do so. Just visit www.seattledining.com and click on subscribe free.
2: All right, we want you to dine well, dine out often, and learn to cook and eat healthy at home.
0: Good advice.
2: We'll see you back here on a June show.
1: Thanks for listening to another edition of the Seattle Dining Show. This program is a copyrighted production of Mixed Media and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without written permission of the legal owner, all right? However, feel free to share the link with all your friends on Facebook. Studio equipment for this broadcast was purchased locally at American Music of Fremont Icon. The views and opinions expressed on this show are exclusive to the host and guests and do not reflect those of former employees of Bill the Butcher, the Surrogate Hostess, the Beeline Diner, Louie's Chinese Cuisine, the Doghouse, the Five Mile House, Charlie's, the Twin Teepees, Ocean Air, Benjamin's, the Madison Park Cafe, or any other lost Seattle icon. Subscribe free to our monthly magazine online at seattledining.com and join us next time for another edition of the Seattle Dining Show.